The Retrogasmic Podcast is brought to you by Rosemary.nz, a one-woman business that designs and makes beautiful hot rod, rock and roll, Kiwi Iona-themed men's shirts. Hop on to Rosemary.nz and see the vast selection of fabric choices and designs. That's Rosemary.nz. We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the North Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. I feel retrogasmic. 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm your host, Didi Deluxe, and today we are looking at the man himself, 007 James Bond. That was, of course, the James Bond theme, written by Monty Norman, um, although uh, arranger and composer John Barry, who was responsible for a lot of the fantastic Bond music, um, did disagree with him and took him to court a couple of times, but uh, I think it was pretty much uh, 100% proved that the original... The original theme was written by Monty Norman. That version is by uh, a band called Q The Music, who are pretty much the world's premier top-of-the-heap 
James Bond tribute band orchestra experience and we'll be talking to their founder member and musical director Warren Ringham later on in the show. So the James Bond books are obviously written by Ian Fleming. Uh, The first time Bond appeared was in the 1953 Cold War spy thriller Casino Royale. Bond featured in another 12 novels and also a handful of short stories. And in 1963, Dr. No was made into a film and and it famously went over budget by about 10 or 20 percent at the time. And the producers very nearly pulled it, fearing that they would lose money. (laughs) Good job they didn't. It's probably one of the most successful film franchises in the history of movies. The uh, opening sequence with the, the, the gun barrel and the gunshot, uh, that's actually stuntman Bob's, Bob Simmons who appears in that. I know a lot of people think that it's Sean Connery, but it's actually a stuntman. Now, Christopher Lee, the uh, the star of all those great Hammer Horror movies of the late 60s and early 70s, was Ian Fleming's cousin. And he tried to get him a, a part, I think, a major role in the, the first movie, Dr. No. But eventually he got the role of Scarab manga in the man with the golden gun so i'm gonna keep going with the uh, the fascinating bond trivia um there were 62 people killed in the movie goldfinger <laughs> uh, i have no idea who sits there and counts those on and whether they can you know just because someone's shot and falls over how they can tell whether they're dead or whether they might have pulled through a few weeks later after a you know a, a stout spell in hospital who knows um what else have we got uh specter the baddies the organisation that always pops up on the top of a mountain or in a hollow volcano. SPECTRE stands for Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge and Extortion, which is really cool. I'd love to work for a company that had a good acronym. Speaking of Goldfinger, which is one of my personal favourites, I have to say, uh, the Bond producers originally wanted Orson Welles to play the title role of Auric Goldfinger, but apparently he was way too expensive. Uh, Sean Connery wears a toupee in all of the Bond movies. I don't know whether that's an interesting fact or not. Um, You Only Live Twice is the only official James Bond film in which James Bond does not drive a car. Now, I'm sure he does, but I'm not going to argue with Wikipedia. So let's uh, let's hear another track from uh, today's guest, Cue the Music. This is the title track of uh, the aforementioned DD favourite. This is Goldfinger.
not bad at all. So that wasn't the original theme tune. That was a tribute band's recording. They've done two CDs, and it's all as good as that. And live, they are utterly astonishing. I highly, highly recommend it. You're in and around the UK, and you get to see one of their big theatre shows, definitely go along. Fantastic night's entertainment, even if you're not a complete and uttered Bond nerd like I am. Um, Continuing on with a a bit of uh, James Bond triv. So the James Bond character's father was Scottish, and his mother was Swiss. So technically, James Bond was, was a Scot. And before being uh, employed as a spy, he worked for a munitions company in Europe. And he spoke French, German, Italian and Russian, as well as apparently passable Spanish and Greek. And he has a degree in Oriental languages, which is pretty good going. Um, that's normally kind of full-time education up to about the age of 40. He was 38 when he became a double O agent, which is... Um, why a lot of the actors that played him have been um, a bit maturer, if you like, as a leading man. Now, Roger Moore was the oldest Bond at 58 in View to a Kill, and George Lazenby was the youngest in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and I think he was 30. Now, by all accounts, Hugh Jackman, Cary Grant, Liam Neeson, Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds have all been offered a chance to play the role and have turned it down. And I think Eastwood and Burt Reynolds especially are huge Bond fans and just said, look, it's got to be played by a a Brit. You know, it's um, you you couldn't do it as an American, which, um, you know, I think Lazenby was an Aussie. But there you go. Uh, A couple more bits and pieces. We've got uh, the, 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 the bit of trivia everyone knows about Ian Fleming. He also wrote. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang which if you've re- actually read some of the Bond books they're pretty hard and you know he was he was heavy drinking and he was a real chauvinist and it, you know he's not a particularly likeable character and they're quite dark books in places and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a real kids kind of fantasy extravaganza so it's um you know a tribute to the man's writing that you could turn his hand to to both genres another interesting thing Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay to You Only Live Twice now, the, uh, the 007 uh, number attributed to James Bond was actually the, the bus route used by Ian Fleming, which ran between Canterbury and London. How about that? That's a, that's a really interesting one, that. And the last one, before we uh, get on an interview, um, Warren Ringham from Cue the Music, was it's estimated that between a third and a quarter of the entire world's population has seen a Bond film at some point. Now, just think about that. Between a third and a quarter of the world's entire population has seen a Bond movie at some point. That, that's mind-blowing. Ooh, I feel retrogasmic. So on the line, I should have Warren Regan from, uh, from London, who is the, the manager and musical director of Cue the Music, the world's premier Bond, Bond orchestra. How would you describe yourself, Warren? Well, we kind of say James Bond tribute band, James Bond concert. Okay. So just explain to people that aren't aware of what you guys do, um, of just what they get when they come to a Cue the Music gig. Thanks. So, yeah, basically we split our time between doing private events um, for corporate events and and birthdays and and parties uh, where we do basically like a James Bond tribute band. Um, but we also are doing a theatre tour where we're called the James Bond Concert Spectacular, which is really aimed at um, 
casual and to die hard uh, Bond fans where we play all the theme tunes from the films, plus we do lots of the uh, exciting chase sequences and some of the unused or um, songs that are, are played over the end credits or within the film. So it's a it's a real uh, Bond geek stream. Um, so, so some of the incidental music, like the background music during a car chase and things like that, you guys actually play live. Yeah, yeah, we do all sorts of um, cues. There's, I mean, we've got, I think our library is sort of well over 60 pieces and songs now, and we're adding to it all the time. Um, and we've done we've done medleys from films like Goldfinger and uh, On a Magic Secret Service, View to a Kill, Living Daylights. We've done all sorts of um, cue medleys from John John Barry and, and other composers from the series. So, so I mean, the original music um, would have been recorded using a full orchestra, I'm, I, I guess. So, how do you reproduce that? I mean, I, I mean, your full band is thirteen, fourteen pieces, is it? Yeah, 13. So it's, it's a pretty large band with six brass and we have two keyboards. So we're able to um, have the strings on one of the keyboards and we really um, got the very sort of latest and most expensive string sounds um, on there as well. Um, and actually having the, the large brass section really helps that because that sort of John Barry sound, there's a lot sure. of padding in yeah. the brass and we have three trombones, which kind of really helps reproduce that. Um, but, I mean, we've had some of the biggest Bond and John Barry and Bond music fans in the world coming to our concerts. And, you know, they all say that the, how authentic the sound is and how what an amazing job we've done of reproducing that. And it's it's all done in, in, uh, in with, with a Bond fan in mind. So um, although it's a, a smaller lineup, um, I think we, 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 we're careful over what we choose in terms of the cues as well. We don't do like big string numbers because we don't have those, uh, those live strings. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm guessing someone at some point had to sit down and arrange all this and write all the sheet music out and work. <laughs> work. I know who this is, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that, so you must've thought, okay, so this is the lineup I've got. This is the, the most people I can bring on tour with me. Um, how am I going to take this John Barry piece or, or whatever it is from the more modern ones? How, how am I going to adapt that to what I've got? I mean, that must've taken like, months, yeah, the first the first um, period, major period of of was two years in the making, um, where I had the idea. To the time we actually started rehearsing was was two years of of finding little bits of time. But I really wanted to get the detail down. And actually, over the course of the last fifteen years since I started it, I've actually done about probably four or five major um, edition revisions, as well as little ones along the way, where I've gone back and actually really got in because the more you listen to those recordings especially the ones that are from like the mid 60s and late 60s where really it was just a lot of the time it was just a few room mics um that they were recording with you know it's really hard to get all that detail and and it actually takes multiple listens and running it through various kind of filters and 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 different speakers to pick things up um and so every time you kind of listen to a different system, you might pick up a little different little piece of detail oh, that so you didn't you can hear. What the different um, instruments are playing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like the James Bond theme, that original one. You know, there's so many um, versions of that out there that that I 
that I actually now know are definitely wrong. But I, you know, that was some of those, some of those little details I picked up, um, you know, like after like four or 500 listens. I mean, we've, you and I have had a conversation, um, over the, over Facebook where we've talked about the James Bond theme and the fact that, uh, people put vibrato on the last note of the, of the piece. But in actual fact, it's not the guitar that's putting vibrato on. It's the vibraphone that's really low in the mix, but it's the vibrato, it's the uh, tremolo on the, on the vibraphone that makes the guitar sound like it's got vibrato. So that's just one of those little idiosyncrasies that people give it a quick listen and, and, and hear it differently to how it actually was because of the way it was recorded with those old recording techniques. So, so from, from a, uh, from an audience standpoint, what I'm, what I'm hearing here is that we've, we've got the ultimate bond geek who happens to be a, a talented musician and very, very hardworking. Who's put together a band for bond geeks, I guess, as well as people that just dig the music. Is that, is that kind of fair or am I being a bit horrible? No, no, it's fair. No, it's absolutely right. And I think the two main um, attributes that, that you need to do this are uh, um, attention to detail and just belligerence. Yes. And I've got both of those in, in abundance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, why, yeah. why Bond? I mean, I've known, I've known you for 30 years, 25 years. Getting on, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, just for, for a bit of background, uh, me and Warren used to s- sit next to each other at um, at QPR. We used to go, we we support the same team, and we used to sit and watch our team lose week after week in the rain, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so why? The... I'm still there on my own. I'm still there on my own watching them losing the rain. <laughs> <laughs> so why um what what why the Bond thing? I mean, because you're a classically trained trumpeter. Your dad was a very a very well-known, famous trumpet player. Um, what what made you do the Bond thing? Well, I think I think I've always been a fan of Bond. I, I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't um, exposed to the whole series of Bond until I was probably in my mid to late teens. We, we were just sort of Roger Moore was always on on the TV, and we had a few of them on on VHS. And I do remember going. My first Bond film I ever saw at the cinema was The Living Daylights, which would have been in '87. So I was eight years old then. So I do remember that. Um, but the I've always been a huge fan of film music and TV uh, themes and what have you. And I've always been exposed to that. And I was exposed to that through my dad as well. I mean, he did he did some recordings with John Barry, which, to be fair, I don't actually specifically remember those from my childhood. I only sort of found out um, later on that he did those. But I was always in and around the orchestra when um used to sort of go and visit him because my parents were divorced but whenever we sort of spent the weekend with him he was always working with the orchestras and my sister and I would always go along and we'd be in and around the orchestra rehearsals and recording sessions I mean I went to many many sessions at the top sort of studios in in London like Abbey Road and CTS at Wembley and we would just we would just be sort of um uh, sort of had to keep ourselves amused with books and computer games and Walkmans and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was always around those that orchestra and and that sort of sound of music. So, so even, I grew even, up... even as a youngster, you you had that kind of um, uh, understanding of how those big big orchestras or big bands worked. The kind of the mechanics of it you've seen. Yeah. It since. I guess that's helped. Um, your your dad. Um, uh, your dad played on some pretty well-known stuff, didn't he? Um, the Star Wars, some of the Star Wars stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he did 
Return of the Jedi and all the Mad Max films and uh, Interview the Vampire. Yeah, and lots of lots of films. Yeah, yeah. So you've got some good heritage there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, like I say, that's the, growing up around that is what really um, got me hooked on the film music sound. And with the James Bond addiction um, and, and fan and my fandom of James Bond kind of coming to the fore in my late teens around the time that I was going through music college, um, I start, I thought initially formed like a, a sort of standard kind of function band that did uh, weddings and, and events that obviously you were a part of. And then from there I decided to, um, I wanted to kind of move because, because at the time there were a lot of bands that were kind of moving into the themes uh, side of things, you know, like ABBA tributes and, um, Beatles tributes and all of that. And themed events were becoming a thing and there were bond themed events around at the time, but nobody was doing kind of specializing in bond themed music. So I kind of saw a gap in the market at that time and decided to go for it, which kind of, hooked up with the fact that I was such a big fan of the music of, of John Barry, of that James Bond sound and the fan of the films. It just kind of brought all of my passions together in one go, really. I've, I've got to say, even now there are, um, you know, there's, there's a handful of, uh, I guess in every country in the world, there's a handful of bands doing the Bond music. Um, I've not seen any band get even close to looking, sounding and being as authentic as you guys. They are all basically what I would call decent covers bands playing a uh, a covers band version of the themes. There's, there's the, the yeah, level of sure. detail you go into, you know. And, uh, I mean, there's there's a very good show that, that happens occasionally in New Zealand over here with some of the top mainly jazz guys and their reinterpretations of the Bond stuff, which is a kind of a different kettle of fish. And they are very good. Yeah. But doing, you know, if I wanted to go to a concert and hear the music that I know and love from the films be played live as if I was in the studio back in the 60s or in the 70s or in the 80s or whatever, I think you're the only people on the planet currently doing that. And I, to be honest, I can't see anyone else going through what you've gone through to produce that. So, <laughs> so you, you, I mean, yeah, I think luck, you guys are... Yeah, to anyone that wants to go. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you guys are pretty much unique, and, and that's, that's why you've had the success. We, I mean, we were talking off air just now. You've played in about... Seven or eight different countries. I think it's I think it's eleven countries now. Yeah, wow. eleven eleven countries, not not including uh, England. So yeah. Um, so you've done Monte Carlo three or four times. Four times now. Yeah, we we seem to be quite regular there. And yeah, we during played the ra- race Europe. race week and stuff. We did the Formula E um, like sort of after party. Uh, there was a. Prince of Monaco was there, and there was a couple of actors and actresses from uh, the Bond films, including Naomi Harris, who, of course, is the current Money Penny. So I got to meet her and have a chat with her, which was lovely. And you have um, some of the Bond girls yeah. at some of your shows, don't you? Yes, yeah, so we've got a few. We've got Caroline Munro, who was the helicopter pilot from The Spy Who Loved Me. And the famous rum advert posters that uh, every teenager right. in the 70s had on their walls. <laughs> that's right yeah yes yeah. so she's she's absolutely lovely um madeline smith who's another one who's an absolute, oh. she's become like an adopted I adopted had, aunt for me i had she, such course, a crush on madeline smith when i was oh, a teenager she, she still is she's she's still you still would she's still absolutely stunning she's lovely um so she was the she for those that don't know she was the one 
who had her, her dress unzipped with the magnetic watch at the beginning of Live and Let Die. She played Miss Caruso. She was also, and then we've also got in Up Pompeii, which is still one of my favourite films, yeah. comedy films of all time, with Frankie Howard. That's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and um, we've also got Caroline Bliss, who played Money Penny in The Living Daylights and License to Kill. So um, yeah, quite a quite a trio of, of Bond girls that we have working with us, and they're all fabulous. Um, so we're very lucky to to get to work with them. So when you do these big corporate shows, you guys obviously will be providing the the music, and the the, the Bond girls will be there, kind of comparing and doing meet and greet and stuff like that, and just kind of hanging out with the fans. Or well, they don't tend to do the corporate stuff that much. I mean, occasionally that's exactly what you've described happens, though that's quite a rarity that they. The, we more um, work with them on the theatre shows. So on the theatre shows, they'll come and compare those, uh, which is which is a, a nice sort of interlude between the pieces. Um, on the corporate shows, it doesn't tend to be that way. But we have done a few where they've where they've asked us to uh, book the the bong girls so they can just kind of mingle with, you know, and, and especially for charity events or whatever, you can have a table uh, auction off a table with a bong girl. That's quite a yeah. a, a nice thing to be able to do. Now, um, I've got, uh, or lucky enough to own a couple of your CDs, and they are they are quite remarkable. I've got to say, I, if if someone said to me, "Hey, Dunk, come and help me record this," um, I, I'd throw my hands up in the air at the thought of trying to record and engineer that band. And uh, it's uh-huh. it, it's very very good. It's very very well done. Um, what's um, Thank you. <laughs> what, what what's what would you say apart from, uh, I guess, just the fact you've played some amazing, uh, amazing kind of uh, events around the world? What, what would you say is, is the highlight? What's the, the, the gig or the, the event? What's the, the, the thing out of all this work you've put in and this passion? What's the biggest payoff so far? Which event was the, the, the biggie that sticks in your mind? Well, can I be cheeky and give you two? Yes. Because they are... Because when I tell you the two of them, I think you'll understand why they, they're kind of they're very hard to separate as to which one was the ultimate one. So we did the first one we did was um, two years ago, uh, 2017, when uh, dear old Sir Roger Moore passed away. We yeah. were asked to play at his his official memorial event at Pinewood Studios. So this was a dedication of one of the sound stages there um, in his name, and it was basically quite a small intimate event for a probably 200 or so people but they were all the very much the who's who of the um entertainment world there was people like joan collins michael kane there the bond producers um barbara broccoli and, and michael g wilson there was a number of um actors and actresses from the from the series people like uh for your real bond geeks mishka and grishka from octopussy and yes uh, you yeah, you had Rosie Carver from Live and Let Die, um, and the oh, mine's gone blank. The, the the really young ice skating lass from um, uh, for, for your eyes only, oh, yes. um, Lynn Holly jo- Johnston. She so yeah, she was there. Um, so yeah, loads, just loads of those people. We we even had um, Sir Tim Rice who wrote the lyrics to All Time High. He was in the crowd, and Monty Norman was there, wow. who of course wrote the James so yeah loads i mean you can go on and on david walliams as well for the kind of more uk listeners they would know who he is so yep. loads and loads of people there little, little um, britain is, Steve uh, Fry. Is, is huge worldwide don't worry 
Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah. It was, so that was that was an amazing event, and we played a couple of numbers during um, the actual um, event, and then at, at the end, when people are walking out, we played another one for kind of people as they walked out, which is quite funny because they didn't. They sort of all kind of stopped and stood and watched and until um, we finished, which was, which was great. So uh, um, so I mean that was just an unbelievable event. It was. It was a difficult one to describe because it was so emotional and, it, and it, obviously it meant a lot to the people there. It wasn't like, um, it, you know, you wouldn't call it a concert or something. It was very much a, um, a, a, a memorial event. It was kind of in a way, I suppose, you know, it was, it was like tantamount to a wake. Yeah. So it was, um, but it was like, a, you know, much, very much a celebration of his life. But of course, there were still a lot of tears and there were a lot of laughter. And so it was a real emotional roller coaster as well as, for us having the pride of by, playing. By all accounts, he was a lovely guy amazing. as well. You'd never hear anything but good amazing. things about. Oh, amazing! About yeah, yeah. Some great, some great stories that 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 go around. I mean, one of my favourites was the um, apparently Nigel Havers once went to Sir Roger Moore for um, acting advice and and said to him because he was a bit of a bit of a prankster, Roger Moore, and said to him, so he said, uh, "Tell me, Roger, you know, you you get to." share the screen with all these beautiful women he says how do you handle lovemaking scenes because you know it could be quite awkward you know how do you handle that and he says well roger moore says well i always like to put the young ladies at ease you know break the ice so just before we're about to start filming i'll pull them to one side and i'll i'll just talk to them quietly and i'll say excuse me can i just apologize if i become aroused and (laughs) if i don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just he's a very apparently he had a wonderful sense of humor is always playing tricks on the on the um on the sets and stuff and yeah i mean everybody's everybody we met just had such amazing uh stories to tell there's there's another one which i won't tell now but you look up like roger moore stories there's another one which is much longer um about him um a uh, young fan meeting him at Nice Airport, which is just, it's such a good story. It, it always, it brings a lump to your throat. It just, it just perfectly um, describes what a, what a tremendous man that he really was. Um, Wonderful stuff. Yeah, loads of great stories. Yeah. Yeah. So the second, yeah, what was your other event? Yeah. <laughs> That's good enough on its own, isn't it? Well, <laughs> so the second event was that I was just chatting to you about this off air. We did the Honor Magic Secret Service 50th anniversary this year which um, is re- widely regarded by all the Bond fans around the world as, as the the, number, the best film. Although it was a, a bit of a flop at the time, it's gone on to become a real cult favourite amongst Bond fans. And um, the vast majority of it was shot in a place called Piz Gloria, which is 10,000 feet up in the Alps in Switzerland. And to celebrate the 50th anniversary this year, they had this event out there where they uh, got fans from all around the world came across um, for it. And they got George Lazenby back, who was the Bond from that one film, as well as a load of the the, the Bond girls, the Angels of Death. And they had a few cast and crew there as well. And um, they, they all sort of um, uh, assembled at this uh, amazing absolutely amazing uh, venue which is say 10,000 feet up I mean, you, you have to take four cable cars to get up there so we had to take about three tons of kit up on these cable cars Good which Lord. was a challenge in itself because we drove all of our own equipment out you see yeah um and yeah we played a, a show at the end of that 
um, evening. And, I mean, the the roof of this place just, I mean, I know it's an old saying, but, I mean, it really did, we really did take it off. And the atmosphere was just absolutely incredible. And the whole weekend was just one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Did you, uh, did you get to chat to um, Mr Lazenby? Yeah, he came and chatted to us for about 15 minutes, actually, and he was telling us about how he played bass in a band and... Um, yeah, he was, he was telling us about all the women that he's bedded in his life. He loves, he loves to, loves to tell everyone about that. You know, yeah. he's, 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 he's got a bit he's of never, a reputation. He's never shy of talking. Oh, yeah. he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, he's, he's, he's a real character. I mean, you have to sort of wonder, take a bit of a pinch of salt, some of what he says, because, you know, I mean, is the, the stories of how he got Bond, the Bond film, and and actually how he lost it as well. It, it changes every time uh, it gets told, but depending on and depending on who's telling it. You know, I mean, some rumours are that he um, he was sacked, whereas other he says that he was offered, I think it was a million pounds in cash to stay on and do another five Bond films, but he turned it down, which is at the time was an incredible amount of money. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, you, you know, you. you that seems to be the the most commonly told story about how that that happened. But um, uh, but yeah, a very interesting man to meet. But I mean, just an incredible incredible weekend. So so what's next for, for or what's coming up for you guys? What uh, I mean, you've, you've kind of uh, I guess playing bigger theatres and all that kind of thing. But but um, where, where do you take it from here? I mean, because you you've <laughs> it, it's yeah. it, you know it. It's an incredible project, but what's next? Well, we, at the moment we're in the middle of our um, 2019 theatre tour. We're now starting to plan in a bigger tour for next year. We're hoping to do um, 30, maybe more, uh, theatres um, in 2020. And, of course, with the new film coming out in April, uh, that will definitely create a lot more uh, private and direct bookings for us for corporate events and private events that that'll definitely have an impact and i'm sure we'll we'll get more international stuff next year on the back of that as well more work um, for so you I because you, the, you'll have to arrange the music from the new film no doubt and add that in yeah yeah we'll have to yeah which is always a worry actually because you just don't know what you're going to get i mean it, we've been lucky the last few songs have actually been really great actually but i mean i i i think that the um the the one of the alternate uh, ones for Spectre was the Radiohead song. I don't know if you've heard it, yeah. but it's, it's. I think it would. I wasn't really a fan of it, I have to say, and I think no. it would have been really tough for us to to perform it, and it would have stuck out a bit with in comparison to the other songs in the series. So, you know, I remember, I remember the around about the time of Die Another Day. I'm sure that um, one of the rumored artists was Eminem, <laughs> so that would have been a a challenge for us because I mean it was very different to again so you just don't know what no. um also I guess what, your, your show <laughs> can only be an hour and a half or two hours or whatever max so uh, you know if they keep making films at some point you're going to have to start um you know culling songs to to, to put a set together I'm guessing yeah um well we, we actually our so our um our uh, set is quite long actually now we start half past seven um, finish at like ten past ten, so it's already with the th- within that with the interval for the theatre shows. Um, um, so yeah, it's just getting longer, so we're having to kind of address that. Um, so yeah, it's, we'll have to just see what comes up um, on the ne- yeah with the next film. Yeah. <laughs> so look, 
um, I, I know it's uh, very late in the UK, but thank you for staying up for me. I know you just come from a from a gig. Um, how can people find out more about the band? So that you can go to the website, which is www.cuethemusicshow.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So it's Q the Music Show, yeah. Yep, as in the letter Q. Um, yeah. And yep, yeah, you can go to the website. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on YouTube. If you put in Q the Music Show on YouTube, you'll get about probably about thirty or forty, probably even more actually, of all the different um, songs and cues that we've recorded to date. Um, but they're also also uh, laid out really nicely on our website. If you go to Q the Music Show and then click on the videos tab, they're all laid out there in in in, in very much in a uh, in the film order as well. So you can find exactly the one that you're looking for. So Great stuff. Yeah, check it out and let us know what you think. Thank you very much for for staying up and talking to us. Um, very much appreciate it, mate. Good to speak to you. Um, I'm going to play at least three of your show, uh, songs on the show. Um, we're recording this before I've done the rest of the show, so I'm not sure which ones they are. But uh, we'll mix it in with some of the some of the stuff from the movies as well. Thank you again for talking to us. Our pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. And yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Bye, mate. So a huge thank you again to Warren for coming on the show. Uh, Don't forget, please support our lovely sponsor. Pop over to rosemary.nz. Grab yourself a really cool retro bowling shirt. They're all handmade. You can pretty much have anything you want. And uh, I own about 300 of these. And they're they're fantastic. Uh, We're going to finish the show with one more song from Cue the Music. This is their absolutely brilliant version of the theme from Goldeneye. See you next time. I